0: Understanding space weather with help from citizen scientists and Steve. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Elizabeth McDonald, space physicist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. Welcome, Dr. McDonald. Hi, Tanya. So what do you do in your role at Goddard, and how are you involved in space weather?
1: So I uh, am a scientist at Goddard, and I study how the aurora are born and form and evolve with a variety of different techniques, satellite uh, measurements, ground-based cameras, and also recently with um, citizen scientists and people on the ground taking real images of the aurora in a project that I founded called Aurorasaurus.
0: Over the Labor Day weekend, people as far south as the 45th parallel had a chance to see and photograph a bit of space weather. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, there was actually an event on the sun, not a big flare, but um, something that happens called a coronal hole. And um, even though we're at solar minimum right now and the sun is not giving us those flares very often, uh, these coronal holes have particularly high, fast solar wind. And so the solar winds got up to like uh, 800 uh, kilometers per second and hit the Earth, actually maybe 700 or so. um, And that drives the aurora to go down to lower latitudes and drives a bit of a storm. And so um, people got to see it. Uh, It's really difficult, as uh, we talked about, really difficult to actually tell you when you're going to be able to see it. Um, You kind of have to wait until that Uh, coronal hole comes out from the sun via the sun's magnetic field. Um, That's a really long way. The sun is 93 million miles from us. And what really matters is actually the direction of the magnetic field in the solar wind, which um, enhances or decreases the coupling of the energy from the solar wind to the Earth's magnetic field region called the magnetosphere. And so, um, just like two magnets, when the magnets are in opposite directions, uh, they're attractive. And so we're really looking for the solar wind um, to have what's called a negative um, magnetic field component in the, um, the direction opposite the Earth's uh, field out there in space, and it's called BZ South. And so when the data from the one or two satellites that we have that's not 93 million miles away not all the way at the sun, but 1 million miles away. I'm going to show you my little satellite representative. When that shows us that um, what direction the magnetic field is and that you have this enhanced velocity, then you can really drive Aurora. And if you're in a place that's dark and clear and uh, it's around midnight, you would have a good chance of seeing it, especially around like the US-Canadian border uh, for North America for the last couple couple days.
0: Well, in fact, you and I talked quite a bit about, uh, the last couple of days, as far as, you know, what, what advice you have for people who are, uh, gonna try to go out and, and experience auroras themselves. Um, you referred us to a Facebook page, which, um, was Alberta Aurora chasers, I believe. Yes. And they did a great job of, um, and you talk about citizen scientists about helping people understand the best places. We went to Northern Idaho, just outside of Creston, actually, Canada. And, um, and you um gave us some advice on on the best places to go. We got to see the Aurora ourselves, which was beautiful. It was you know um, beautiful shades of green and certainly some other colors. And talk about, you know, I shared you saw some of those pictures. Talk about what you what you saw from uh, citizen scientists and the, and aurora chasers and 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 what they were sharing.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad that you got to see it and that you got some nice photos as well. It's actually difficult, especially when it's your first time seeing aurora or taking those photos, Um, so having a community of people in roughly your local area, and in this case Alberta aurora chasers, there's a lot of people in the Calgary area, um, a lot of people who are really dedicated um, space weather uh, aficionados and photographers, and their Facebook feed is a great place to find the information of who's seeing what right now. Um, we've collaborated a lot with them on our Aurora Source project to also um, collect those observations and put them on a map to give people a better way to visualize where that activity is happening. Um, I didn't point you to our page right at the moment because a few things are not working on that and we're working on it. But, um, but in the meantime, especially for that area of the country, um, Alberta aurora chasers are a great resource. Um, and then another thing that uh, happened last weekend is that there was also an unusual new type of aurora visible or something like Aurora, uh, that um, we've investigated with the Albert Aurora chasers and other scientists, uh, and we call it Steve. And Steve is something, I'm not sure if you saw Steve, but you certainly saw Aurora to the northern horizon, um, as much of the horizon as you can see, if there's mountains around or whatever. Um, You can see um, the colors of the aurora. There's a typical green and then above that, there's more of a red emission. Both of those are actually from oxygen in our atmosphere and they're from the particles from uh, space um, that are raining, are excited in the Earth's magnetosphere and then raining down the magnetic field lines and exciting that ambient oxygen, and causing that green and red glow. the two different colors happen at two different altitudes, and you get two different um, emission lines with different um, time constants. The, the altitude, the density also varies with altitude, which controls which wavelength comes out at which time. Um, and so you could see that to the northern horizon, but uh, some, some of the time people were noticing that there was also something overhead that kind of looks like a contrail. It's kind of gray to the naked eye and very narrow and literally right overhead at those kind of latitudes. Um, And some of these photographers uh, were seeing it and in their photographs, the camera picks up the colors much better than our eyes can and it was this Um, odd kind of purple color not the usual auroral kind of color and also there's sometimes these green little fingers um, that we call a picket fence along with it and that actually turned out to be something new to space science Um, and we now understand that um, it's been photographed for a long time and optically observed for a long time but when we looked with our satellites that were in low earth orbit Um, at the atmosphere itself and what's causing that, uh, we saw that there's this very strong flow. Um, So, Steve now stands for Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement, and there's this very strong flow east to west um, that's actually been seen in satellite observations for 40 years, but never known to be visible. So, it's a new discovery, definitely enabled by citizen science, and it's really energizing people out in the world everywhere, as well as scientists like myself.
0: Well, I think, you know, we went out the day prior for proof of concept to kind of try to figure out, because as you pointed out, you know, unlike Eclipse, you really don't know exactly where you should go or where it should be in order to get, you know, the best, uh, the best view and I think Steve we saw the night before Ooh. but what we didn't know and I think is important to point out Steve has his own Twitter account what's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so actually
1: um, Steve is delightful and the Alberta Roar Chasers are delightful so you can follow Phenomenal Steve on Twitter for sightings uh, and there were several sightings in the last um, couple days. Uh, um, Manitoba, um, Alberta, I'm not sure, there could have been some from the Southern Hemisphere as well. I think there were some from um, the UK, the Shetlands area. I didn't exactly uh, follow all of them, but you should check on Phenomenal Steve on Twitter for sure.
0: Phenomenal Steve. Mm More are are occurring at at some point above the Earth's surface on a regular basis. So how do we study them today and and how is the knowledge gained from following these uh, applied in everyday life?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, even though they're always occurring, we do not always know where they are occurring and there's a lot of dynamics involved that we understand like 90, 95% of all of the processes, but there's still some pieces of it that we do not understand or could be missing, like Steve and what's that about and how that relates to the bigger picture. Um, So we continue to understand the whole and and research the whole phenomena, the whole system. Ideally, we're trying to understand space weather from the sun to the earth to the point of predictability so that we can um, protect our satellites and ground-based systems that are susceptible to space weather. Um, And one uh, aspect of space weather, the aurora itself, is generally... um, Kind of sheets of current it's electrons raining down in in a broad uh, curtain kind of region multiple arcs and those currents can actually induce currents on the ground in um, pipelines or transformers or systems on the ground can be affected gps can also be affected and so it is important to better understand all aspects of the system however The system is so huge that it's really difficult and our satellites aren't everywhere. Uh, So that's why we really need people to um, join us. And it's a great sort of use case for citizen science where we can help improve your chances for seeing Aurora and you can share your observations and help us make better models of the Aurora. So that's what we're doing at aurorasaurus.org and um, definitely uh, keen for more people to join.
0: This weekend was the 160th anniversary of the Carrington event. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) Where are we today from the standpoint of understanding um, the effects of of solar activity on the future of technology?
1: Uh, I think as well, we're, you know, we understand the big picture, but um, there's some gaps, right? So, I like to say that we can watch the sun much um, better than we can actually tell you exactly when the aurora is occurring. Um, when we watch the sun and we see things happening on the sun, it's such a long way away that that measurement, um, like if it's a, a pixel in an image and you see something hot, um, you propagate the errors. Everything has some errors. So, you know, you get a measurement of what's happening on the sun. And, but there's still some uncertainty to that. And then you have to model 93 million miles and it's a really challenging problem Um, as well. There are some quantities that are very important to understand the effects like the magnetic fields that we cannot get um, currently by looking at the sun remotely. So that's also really important. So all of uh, space weather is improving. but also a research field. So that also makes it really exciting.
0: Dr. Elizabeth McDonald, space physicist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. If somebody wants to connect with you, Liz, or maybe they want to find out more about Aurorasaurus, how can they do that?
1: Uh, well, aurorasaurus.org is our website and um, Aurorasaurus is on Twitter at TweetAurora and I'm on Twitter at SpaceyLiz. So um,
0: welcome to hear more people from people there. Love your Twitter account Liz. that's great. Um, if you guys wanna find me, you can do so right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.